0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking Tolkien. This is our 10th episode for Fellowship of the Ring. Is that
1: right, 10? 11.
0: Ah, there we go. All right, this is our (laughs) 11th episode for Fellowship of the Ring. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, On today's episode, we are discussing Chapter 2 of Book 2 of Fellowship of the Ring, The Council of Elrond. I am John.
1: I am Katie.
2: And I am blown away. (laughs) I have... There was a lot going on in this chapter, uh, More so I lost, than any chapter. True.
0: I yeah I lost track of how many flags I used, but I probably used at least half of my fifty flag stack.
1: <laughs> there, yeah, there's a lot jam packed into this chapter. It's. Um...
2: I forgot to highlight. <laughs> I I was I was reading it and so and 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 enthralled in it that I kind of lost track and just
1: <laughs> kind of read it. So.
0: <laughs> that happens.
1: Yep. Um so before we jump into that what let's happened this day Talk about yeah today What's in Middle-earth So today in Middle-earth today is November 12th and once again back in the Hobbit um a lot of things were kind of happening at the beginning of November in the Hobbit um and the end of October Uh the elves and the lake men on this day are leaving Dale and heading toward the mountain to um, ask the dwarves for we need money. what they believe is a share of their treasure, which, you know... We need assume, gold. So, yeah.
2: We don't have homes.
1: <laughs> so that's that's happening at this, at this point in time.
2: And then the Battle of Five Armies... Wait. We're a few days away from the Battle of Five yeah. Armies, right? A few okay, days, I, yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm still having trouble remembering what... Hold on. So... The dwarves were one army.
1: <laughs> how, how many times were we going to go over this? The
0: men were one <laughs> The, the elves, elves were one, were the, the other... orcs were one, and the air force was the last one. Yeah. Oh, okay, Remember, the air yeah. force, all right.
2: The, there air, go.
1: the air force.
2: <laughs> Led by George Washington,
1: yeah. Uh, but so previously, uh, last week, we discussed uh, in the chapter many meetings. So Frodo had uh, woken up in Rivendell and after f- four days and thankfully Gandalf was there so he caught up with Gandalf and uh, also very happily caught up with Bilbo
2: yeah that was all that was a great section because it was like one gigantic elf party
1: right uh so we go from that kind of uh sort of happy leisurely sort of thing and now we're gonna jump right into the council of Elrond
2: well something that also lasted like when did the last chapter last like two days or something
0: yeah, I think it was just one. It was know. just the day, day that Frodo woke the up. the day that Frodo took woke an, up. He took a nap and then woke back up. So yeah, it's kind of like when you evening. take a nap and it feels like a new day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know that feeling.
1: Especially in the fall when after you wake up from your nap, it's dark outside.
0: Or you fly anywhere. Oh, Lord. And you look at your watch and you're like, wait, is it 6 a.m. or 6 p.m.?
1: <laughs> but speaking of which, Frodo wakes up uh, the next morning and...
2: You're, Frodo's gonna gonna, gonna you're gonna have the God longest 12
0: hours of ring, your life he vanishes today being ring bearer, like yeah carry that ring like yeah oh Frodo's the most impressive
1: i have to put this, this is to the an most end impressive. uh so i'm impressed so so what well gandalf kind of summons Frodo and Bilbo, and they they hear kind of a bell ringing. Oh, hey, it's time yeah, for- hey,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, you're gonna it's need party to stop in that. A
0: R D A. Sorry, I just had to do the A R D A bit. Uh,
1: anyway, it's time for the council to happen. So we have this. I, I really like this very stark contrast that we have at the beginning of this chapter. We start out with kind of Frodo appreciating. His surroundings and it's I'm gonna everything's go for this all big, long walk yeah, you the know,
2: of, out in this like canyon, and they're like, you could totally do that, but we gotta do this. But we first. have but
1: we don't have time yet. We and have so deeds to do. Everything's of course beautiful, and there's light everywhere, and it's just uh, you know, Frodo's kind of reveling again once once again in Rivendell, and then now it's time to start this council, this super secret meeting that is going to happen. And there's this stark contrast between Frodo's observations of Rivendell and then kind of the very grave faces of everyone who's in attendance well, of and, this secret meeting.
2: And, and then what was funny is actually when I first read this, like, I read the, the, the like... I read the chapter title, Council of Elrond, I assumed Mm -hmm. it was going to start there. (laughs) And then, like, it started off with, like, Frodo waking up, Frodo meeting Bilbo and Gandalf, and I'm like, oh my, oh, oh, this is going to take forever, isn't it? (laughs) Like, I just had that thought of, like, this is going to take forever, and then it was like, oh, then it started to move along.
1: But I really like that contrast that we had, uh, because, again, this, you know, the, Previous chapter we had was sort of a nice little break, a nice little respite for Frodo, uh, and now we're back to we're gonna get into some pretty heavy stuff now.
2: Well, I, th- I guess I mentally prepared myself for this chapter. I was like, no, 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 don't no, I don't, I don't want these, I don't want Bilbo and Frodo talking. Or <laughs> you know, no, no, just g- get to it. Get, get to the deep stuff. Let's go.
1: Well, and we do pretty much right away. Yeah, we do. So uh, basically, everyone who's there. Is there, there are tons of people from different lands across Middle Earth, and they basically have all come here seeking Elrond's advice.
0: It, well, so it starts off with with um, everybody entering, mm-hmm. and I love how it starts because Elrond says, "Here, my friends, is the Hobbit Frodo, son of Drogo. Few have ever come hither through greater peril or on an errand more urgent."
1: Yeah.
2: You know, so they all like, still, all... And they all still sat around, going like, "Where's this damn ring?" I don't know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, he, um, yeah. He he, he he seems like the most unlikely person to be there yet. Elrond,
0: besides addresses Bormier. him as being important. Yeah, 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 and
1: and and, and recognizes how kind of grave the situation really yes. is right now, too.
0: Uh, also there, a uh, younger dwarf at Glowenside, his son Gimli. Beside Glorfindel, there were several other counselors of Elrond's household, of whom Aristor was the chief. And with him was Galdor, an elf from the Grey Havens, who had come on an errand from Círdan the shipwright. So we hear a lot about Círdan the shipwright in this chapter, and it's really the first time since the Silmarillion that we've discussed him. So Katie, do you want to give us kind of a, an update on who Círdan is?
1: So remember when the Noldor needed some boats...
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that, I definitely remember that part because it was so messed up and so brutal and terrifying and scary.
1: Caridon built them. Yeah. Yeah,
2: that and part other was
0: than up. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, Legolas is there. It, t- it tells us that Legolas is the son of Thranduil, who we met in The Hobbit. And it also says that Legolas is dressed kind of unusually for an elf in, glee- in green and brown. Mm-hmm.
2: So he's dressed like a hobbit. All right.
1: <laughs> well, he, he's, he's a woodland elf. So re- we remember that Lagolas is a sind- Sindar. Mm-hmm. Um, he's but, a but, different. but Katie,
0: you, like me, did not go to Woodland Junior High. We went to Raimi Junior High.
1: I know. No, I know. No, and I always, nobody when, when from... I was in Junior High, I totally was of the opinion that Woodland should change their mascot to elves. Because <laughs> then they would be woodland elves. This is
2: some deep, dark, like, Fayetteville inside baseball Arkansas stuff right now. <laughs> no one's going to get that.
1: Uh, yeah, no. Um, um,
0: so Frodo is there. Bilbo's there. Gandalf is there. Strider is there. And then the last person we haven't really met is Boromir. Yeah. And he's from Gondor.
1: And we, we have we have a really great description of Boromir, too. Yeah, we do. Uh, you know, and he's uh, has sort of a, a gleaming jewel on his collar and he looks very dirty yeah he he looks like a great a great warrior but one who that who has traveled (laughs) yeah yes exactly Mm -hmm.
0: yeah um and then it says he has kind of a horn with him
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh that was tipped with silver and boromir very quickly kind of establishes himself as kind of the um the, what's the word to use the layman? Opp oppositional party. No, oh, he's kind oppositional, of the oppositional party. one.
2: Yeah, he does kinda of like bring up like I, I mean I felt like there there's not much argumentation going on in this chapter, mm-hmm. but when it does, he does seem to be the one who's like saying, Well, I've not been here for this whole thing, so why don't we just do this?
1: And and to be fair, that's really I don't think we can blame him a lot for that. And no. and uh what we learn from him, yeah, that's absolutely. A lot I think of parts would where I was reading this, him. going,
2: "Dummy, have you not been paying attention? Oh wait, that's right. He's <laughs> not. You, no, you've that's he's right, he's been yeah. off.
1: You know, trying to hold the city, basically. Um, so yeah, we we learn a lot about what's happening in the south and also what's happening to the east of the mountains. And yeah,
0: it, it starts with Glowen kind of giving an update yeah. on the the dwarf situation, and he says that you know this kind of shadow has spread and we're not sure when it began, but some of us were kind of caught by the spell, this idea that we could recapture Moria. So Balin went to go, you know, try and recapture Moria and he took with him Ori and Nori.
1: Uh, Ori and Owen. And Sorry, yes, yes, yes.
0: Yeah. And a- Those dang o elves, I just called the dwarves the elves. But, but, but,
2: <laughs> but that whole part with, with describing the dwarves and Moria, like they something was awoken there yeah and and it's been 30 years since they sent them off yeah and and and,
0: they've stopped hearing from them
2: yeah and they stopped hearing that and around this time not too long before this some spokesperson from mordor shows up right okay i said spokesperson but
1: (laughs) a a messenger
2: i mean yeah and and it's for saying... some
0: reason, when you say spokesperson, I'm I'm imagining like Elle Woods or something, <laughs> like this this perky blonde
2: on on like yeah, a so... black horse that's covered in scabs and stuff. Yeah, oh, got fleas me. coming off of it. But but no, this messenger was coming up and saying like they wanted to make a deal with the dwarves, and specifically was like, we will give you back. Hold on, all right, you're gonna you have to check. Well, it was you're gonna have to, me well, was, yep. gonna have was, to give well you're going to get we're going to give you back these rings as well as we will give you back Moria if you tell us if you one one of them was like if you if you bring if you take care of the halfling right First
1: it was yeah uh, take care of the halfling and take take what he has And take
2: what he has He has yes. he has a very
1: just innocuous simple little ring with him but we want it
2: <laughs> And then secondly it was if you give us information about this duter, uh then we will. We'll,
1: we'll. You'll have friendship with us. We'll have friendship with yeah. us.
2: You will be a- allied with the next with the next thousand year reign or whatever. Refuse. Yes, because it and it was move. very.
0: It was very clearly like we know the halfling like was with you. We know that you corroborated.
1: Yeah, and you know, and then it's uh, very ominously, of course, refuse to to do anything and. Things will not turn out well yeah. for you.
2: <laughs> you you will lose and, this fight, and right. we'll come back. We'll come back a few times to see your decision. Exactly.
0: This. So the dwarves have been kind of um, resisting answering. Yeah. And, but, but they know that he's going to come back for the third and final time. They're not sure what to do. Right. But Glowen is like obviously. On team Bilbo and so he went to come kind of like figure out what the problem is and so Elrond's response to this is you know you will soon find that you do not stand alone and then he says something that I thought was really interesting you will learn that your trouble is but part of the trouble of all the western world the ring what shall we do with the ring the least of rings the trifle that Sauron fancies that is the doom that we must deem um So what I actually found really interesting about that was Tolkien's usage of the term Western world. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'm reading too much here, but obviously in contemporary parlance, the term Western world means a significant amount. So I'm not sure if this is kind of a Eurocentric view or if this is... Because when I think Western world with regards to uh, Tolkien, I think of the Undying Lands. Yeah, that's what I think too.
1: that's, That's the West. But that, that's the he, West West the West yeah. West West. He's, west. he's talking the about the west. Yes. west. He's talking about everything else that's to the West in Middle Earth. So that's what I was assuming to too. West, like, to the West. To the West. To the West.
2: To the West. I can't believe that, but it's like everything that is not Mordor is what I argued, what I thought of from that, because for most part this chapter is like here's what's going on with Sauron, uh, in what we would call like Northeast. And here's what's happening with Sauron, what we would call the Ultra West, and this is what's happening in the North, and this is what's happening in the South, and it's kind of all com, culminating, hold on, culminating, culminating in <laughs> Rivendell, mm-hmm. and they're having this decision. So we, now we have like, North, East. Okay, I wish I had a map. North East. So it's like the Lonely Mountain and all that, Dale and all that. So we have that now, mm-hmm. and then who speaks next? I can't remember. Uh um, i want to say it's elrond, elrond yeah, yeah elrond talks
0: elrond gives a history of the ring after the fall of sauron right so he talks about the last alliance of men and elves with Gilgalad and um
1: elendil
0: and elendil isildur, isildur and the breaking yeah the breaking of um narsil, the sword, narsil yeah
2: and my favorite little bit. Hey, hey, what, what how are you able to talk about this in so much detail, Elrond? Uh, what's going <laughs> oh, on? Yeah, I like yeah, that. Frodo.
1: I, I really like, like that moment. why do you think, know this? Yeah, Frodo now kind of realizes just how old Elrond is. Dude, I'm old. <laughs> and it's it, it's also, you know, I I I really liked all of this kind of expo- exposition that were given from Elrond because yeah it's stuff that we know already but it really is from Elrond's point of view and again like he you know he says I stood there you know we we were the few who were still left standing and I was there when Isildur did not do what he should have done was, which was destroy the ring I was
2: counseling them yeah. you know I was well, saying all this stuff
0: and with regards to what you were saying, Katie, like this chapter is a massive expositional dump. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, it doesn't feel like that. No, it doesn't. No. There, are, there are a couple of passages, I think, actually when Gandalf is speaking, that struck me as being a little more expositional than Gandalf would use when he was speaking. But I'll, I'll address those when we come to it.
1: Mm-hmm. But uh, um, basically what we have is there are so many, This this chapter also, I feel like, has a lot of, it's like a lot of moving parts come in together because basically, you know, as we're told at the beginning of of the chapter, there are so many people from different lands coming and they're all seeking counsel. They all have had, you know, things happening in recent years that are troublesome and now they kind of all realize, oh, this is just part of a much bigger problem.
2: Because they're also not necessarily talking to each other, which is the other point uh, of a lot of like reading this chapter and it's like, Okay, this chapter was a lot of, like, rewarding you for reading Silmarillion. Mm -hmm. I felt like there was a little bit of... I felt a little bit... I wouldn't say punished. I just said I felt like it was a little lessened because of reading Silmarillion. Because I was kind of reading it with, at first, at first reading it like dude, y'all should know this. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, I have more information than they (laughs) have. You you just
1: happened to have read the Silmarillion first. They they all
2: have these little bits and pieces of the world that they have been encountering these weird problems and now they're coming together and kind of having this bigger picture presented to them.
0: So so there's a conflict that arises fairly early into the chapter, which is Boromir who is fiercely defensive of Gondor and he he kind of explains that he came there because Gondor has been holding off orcs and the parties have been getting stronger and stronger and finally they were kind of overwhelmed so they had to break the last bridge in Osgiliath and if we remember from the Silmarillion but also Elrond briefly described it, uh, Osgiliath is kind of the main city and then on either side are these two towers Mm -hmm. uh, known today as uh, Minas Tirith and Minas Morgul. Right. So Boromir, his party breaks the last bridge over the river and retreats, and only Boromir, his brother, and I think two others are survivors. And then Boromir gets this kind of prophecy, and it's that which causes him to set off to Rivendell to seek Elrond's counsel. And he doesn't even know what Rivendell is. He just kind of knows this idea of this person that he needs to find.
2: That was really cool to me because I had this brief moment of, Oh, there are people in this world who don't know of certain things. Like, that was the kind of, like, moment of, like... Even, like, a higher-up person, as I would say, Boromir is... Pretty much knows Gondor. hmm And doesn't necessarily... He might know Roh- Rohan, but doesn't not well, know Rivendell. I was like, that was a great bit for Tolkien to, like, throw in geography... And how people get...
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Stay in their geography and know it, but don't know what's on the other side of
1: it. Well, and also because... Of what Boromir has been tasked with, with uh, you know, trying to hold the city. Um, that's that's his entire purpose. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, they he says, you know, they'll call out for aid, and pretty much the only help now that still comes is Rohan will send some men sometimes. But um, yeah, that's that's his world is basically holding. This great city of Gondor against the threat of Mordor. I mean, it's it like well,
2: so Frodo doesn't know, didn't know about Rivendell. Like he knew about Rivendell, he didn't know the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike Bilbo, mm-hmm. so even then, like also there, like the Shire was their thing. Like the, mm-hmm. the these these dwarves who are interacting know a little bit more, but
1: they're very isolated. Yeah, they got
2: Dale and all this stuff. It's just.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love yeah, this so I just, yeah. The, the the prophecy that Boromir hears says, Seek for the sword that was broken, and Imladris it dwells. There shall be counsels taken stronger than Morgul spells. There shall be shown a token that doom is near at hand, for a Isildur's bane shall waken, and the halfling forth shall stand. So Imladris is another name for Rivendell, and that's why Boromir was seeking it out. Um he doesn't understand sword that was broken and then a sealedor's bane. Mm-hmm. So to him it's kind of this the shock that the ring, you know, is is still around because Assilder was, you know, obviously the the leader of Minas Tirith. And um with regard to the sword that's broken, then Aragorn is like, This is the sword that's broken. Mm-hmm. Bam! Boromir's like Boromir's like, Who are you and why do you why have, do you this, have sword? this sword? Yeah. <laughs> and you As it becomes obvious that Aragorn is the true heir of the throne of Gondor, Boromir gets really defensive and really upset that this basically stranger is is deemed more important than he.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really like that bit too, where he's like, "I'm Aragorn, son of Arathorn. I'm the dude," you know.
1: (laughs) Well, but but it was also kind of you know, Aragorn feels. Aragorn makes a comment. Well. uh, should you wish for the house of Elendil to return to um to Gondor and Boromir's kind of like well uh I feel like that might help <laughs> like you know <laughs> yeah, where where are you where have you been this is like why why is this heirloom why is this great heirloom not
2: well and, here and also Aragorn makes a big point about uh, and and Gandalf mostly does it later but makes a big point about why he as a as a as a man, he, as a person, not necessarily the people who came before him, why he was doing what he was doing mm-hmm. and why what he was doing beforehand was important. Yeah. Being, um, a, yeah, being, being a, a ranger. Yeah, being a ranger was important. Well,
0: yeah, he says that, you know, people don't thank me for what I do. No. I've kept back evil for men who call me Snyder to write... Uh, Snyder? Snyder. <laughs> call me Strider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was well, a that...
2: moment, too, where he was, like, commenting as Strider as being derogatory in a way and he yes and we hadn't been led to believe that yet I mean before this point but then it it was revealed it was just interesting how he was talking about like he was doing something that it's like you don't get why this was important but it was
1: important and the, and that you know he's reminding as well that there are other threats out in the world yes so
0: And and then Frodo gives his tale and Bilbo even gives his tale of the finding of the ring. Because really, I mean, this chapter is nobody has ever known the full history of the ring kind of until this point. Yeah. Because everybody that's come and pieced it together is sharing that.
2: Yeah, it took multiple people. And I mean, even Bilbo, I like how Tolkien does not reiterate what Bilbo has to say. Mm -hmm. Like, like, he's trying his best to not be redundant in this Mm -hmm. chapter. Because I was actually worried about it when, like, Oh, Ron got up to speak. I was like, "Oh no! Like this is about to be some redundant, redundant garbage." But it wasn't. But it was. It was very. It's I'm,
1: a, it's important to note, though, that Bilbo is telling the story to most people for the first time, and it's full truth. It, yeah, was
2: the one like glowin w- was yeah glowen yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. G- G- was the one was one of the ones who's like being told for the first time the proper the actual truth. Yeah. yeah,
1: the actual truth because previously only pretty much Frodo and Gandalf knew. The and then what story. I
0: like is after Frodo finishes his tale, Bilbo says, "Not." Bad. I love this. You, you would have made a good story of it if they hadn't kept on interrupting. <laughs> I tried to make a few notes, but we shall have to go over it all again together sometime if I am to write it up. There are whole chapters of stuff before you ever got here.
1: Yeah, I, I.
2: You meta bastard! <laughs> like it was...
1: well, and and also I just love how Bilbo. You know, we've we've seen little snippets here and there. You know, Bilbo, young Bilbo was pretty clever and and witty you know and would be quick to kind of tease someone a little bit but especially old bilbo is
0: just gotten better with age
1: yeah gotten better with age absolutely and you know every now and then he has moments where he's almost like a crotchety old man Mm -hmm. um yeah but but and and he can you know have this sort of witty rapport with everyone around him including the elves and this I, I just Well love and the that elves respect him. Yeah, yeah. And so Bilbo has this kind of reputation and place of honor and I, I just love that he's constantly thinking about, gee, we got to make this story better. And even even when, when he stands up to tell his story, mm-hmm. they, they tell him, you know, don't worry if it's not in verse. Just tell us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just tell us the story. And Seriously. <laughs> then, as Bilbo has Bilbo, become Bilbo, this... just,
2: just tell the story. No, just, just speak it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then after Frodo finishes speaking, Galdor, who is Círdan's representative from the Havens, mm-hmm. says, you know, it seems like most things are in order, but I still want to know about Gandalf's story. And Elrond oh, is like, yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. Why is Saruman not here? Well,
1: and also, and... Ha- also more, most importantly, how do we know that this little ring is actually the ring? And,
2: and,
0: yeah, and, and Elrond says, Gandalf has all of the answers for you.
2: And Gandalf goes into that beautifully, where first off, he, he, he talks about like, well, the first thing he needed to do was to go after Gollum. And a find Gollum, because Gollum is the person who
0: Well, has- no, the first thing he says is that you remember several years ago, I was investigating the necromancer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Way, that's
2: way, right. way, back. Yeah, that's right. So this
0: is, you know, if you remember reading in The Hobbit, Gandalf like does disappear and he talks mm-hmm. about the necromancer. And then this is where they confirm that the necromancer w- is in fact Sauron. Um, a little snippet before we get too much into this. I think it's interesting because Elrond cal- and, and Galdor both call him Gandalf rather than Mithrandir. Yeah. In this council, and I'm wondering if that's just because it's a mixture of more than just elven kind. Yeah, yes, I feel like, but you know, yeah. absolutely. In, but in the Hobbit, Elrond called him Randier, even though he was with a party of dwarves. But maybe that's just because Elrond didn't think too highly of dwarves.
1: Y- yes. I, I would I would <laughs> wager to to say that's an accurate reading of that. Um, it's
2: also not less. It's it's also a hell of a lot less. Um, I mean, would I say formal? Like, okay, okay.
0: The situation right It does seem less formal to me. Yeah, this Mm -hmm. is... But the the council seems super formal.
2: But it's still filled with people... (laughs)
1: <laughs> the, the, the council is, th- this, this this council, the council of Elrond, it's pretty formal, but at the same time, there's plenty of... Um,
2: I mean, it's got to be like when y'all get a bunch of drinks in and y'all, you'll call me Charles, you know, and I, I don't appreciate it, but that's my real name, but you do it anyway, and I don't like it. Or, or
0: how Katie calls me Johanthin, because that's my real name. So, there you go. Uh, so yes, he says, you know, you remember I investigated the, the necromancer, and for years, Saruman, dissuaded us from open deeds against him for for long we watched him only and then his shadow grew and when we kind of put the cap on him it was actually Sauron who kind of his knowledge of darkness and his study of Sauron or of Sauron is what enabled us to to overthrow the necromancer Mm
2: But still, why isn't he here at this council, you know?
1: <laughs> That's, yeah, why Why, indeed? I have to be honest, I was
0: reading it
2: going like, yeah, why isn't he here? <laughs> like, I was really into it.
1: And th- it's also important to note here, so again, kind of, so Saruman is, and Gandalf calls him, like, the, the greatest of my order, right? Yes. Uh, and Saruman is the most learned in Ring lore and all that jazz about Sauron. So, you know... They look to him for guidance in in, in these kind of matters, and so, at that time, Saruman basically told them flat out, "There's no use in looking for the ring. It will never again be found in Middle Earth." I
2: remember that, and that was yes. also in, that was also brought up in the Calabeth, yeah, um, where and there were briefly mentions of his there 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 were there... yes. It was in the Akalas. I'm not going to get too far ahead. I don't want to, like, skip ahead on this one. Uh, Is that around the point where Gandalf talks about Gollum and going after Gollum? He was like 17 years ago. I started going after Gollum and couldn't find him. It was
0: was 17 years ago I opened my heart to Aragorn. And Aragorn tracked down Gollum.
2: Well, and, but no, no. Gollum, like, he tried to find Gollum and Mm -hmm. couldn't. Yeah. And was like, well, forget this. And goes down to Minas Tirith talks with Denethor, because, Denethor right? Yeah, Denethor. Denethor because yeah. Because
1: the only possible description that he could get of the ring other than straight from Gollum's mouth himself would be any description that Isildur had left. Yes,
0: yes and so it says the nine, the seven, and the three each had their proper gem. Not so the one. It was round and unadorned. Um... And, he, you know, he's saying, if I can find the right information, then the ring will tell me that it is the ring. Yeah. Awesome. So then... I'm sorry, that, then he goes... You go it, ahead, sorry. Then he goes off to Minas Tirith, and Denethor does not, is not happy to have to deal with him. But he kind of says, I'm only here for history about, you know, the city. And Denethor is like, so be it, but there's nothing you can find that I don't already know. And then Yandalf founds, finds the scroll, which he says has probably been... Unread, except by myself and Saruman, since the day that Isildur wrote it, and it's Isildur's description of the Ring right after he found it, and saying that it 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 shrinks and or it seems to have shrunk since he's possessed it, and, and also that, that it, were, it had burned him. It was hot. Yes, it was, it was hot, hot, and there were these there were these bright letters that were written in Tangwar script, uh, but in a language he could not read and the letters had seemed to fade since the 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 ring had cooled down
1: mm-hmm. and the decipherer had kind of decided that the the language since it it wasn't in a language that he was familiar with he d- he had decided that that's black speech
2: mm-hmm. it was and and I'm, I'm sorry you know, I'm, I'm I'm so I'm ahead. so there's I, 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 <laughs> nothing so you all blitzed past but I loved it so much that I'm so giddy about this chapter because it was so great. And this is probably the first time I've been this giddy about a, a section of Lord of the Rings. But uh, the bit where he's talking about, like, the other rings mm-hmm. and how, like, they all had jewels and they had probably accoutrements on them, like, little tendrils with it. And this one didn't. Mm-hmm. Something about that really struck out, like, really stuck out to me about, like, how this ring looked. It's just a gold band. Well, It yeah. just looks benign. Mm-hmm. Like, it...
1: Again, remember, so many times throughout this book, we one of the hugest themes is things are not as they seem, right? And this ring, which basically holds the power of the Dark Lord himself and is capable of I mean, mass destruction, just looks like a simple. And how band. many
2: people who are just like, oh, look, this is the dumb ring. I'm just gonna, yep. I'm just gonna keep it on me forever because I feel like I should. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. Like, I just love this element of. Because we got, also got like a, a bit of a retreading back of that ring lore of those other rings and Celebrimbor and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: And at one point, I mean, this is later on in the chapter, but at one point, Boromir says, you know, the three rings, doesn't he control them? And Elrond's kind of offended. and He was like, he has never touched the three rings, nor did he make them. And we but shouldn't the one ring, talk about them too. <laughs> yes. But the one ring does have influence over them. Yeah. Um and then there's this question of will the three rings after the fall of the one ring will the three rings become more pure or will they fade entirely that was yeah. a
2: good little that was like a little aside too that was like this doesn't seem like wholly important but it's important to the elves
0: mm-hmm. that yes, these rings but anyway, be purified that uh, getting back later, to uh, yeah. getting back to Gandalf's story, after he finds the scroll, he he rides out immediately, and then he receives word that Aragorn had found Gollum, so he meets up and listens to. This is when he gets Gollum's tale, and Aragorn talks about how unpleasant Gollum was. Yeah, and he's covered he with stank. his green slime, and he stank, and he he basically had to tortured gollum by withholding food and keeping him on a leash and he felt really bad about doing that Mm -hmm. uh and he was happy to drop gollum off at mirkwood and let the elves take care of him and then at this point this is when gandalf (laughs) rides off to the shire and this is what we remember from the beginning of the book when gandalf bursts in and they throw the ring into the fire and then gandalf catches frodo up to speed and frodo you know and sam is listening outside and all that so that's what happens and then gandalf heads out again And oh, one really nice part about this is that, you know, he says that when he casts it into the fire, he sees letters on it, and then he says the words. And I'm not good at speaking black speech. So, Katie, do you want to take it away? Can you good
2: black speech? (sighs) We're not supposed to speak that. It's. I mean, it's not supposed to speak
1: that. Dark Lord might come in here. So this is a. um, an important thing too, because so so yeah, so Gandalf actually does. He says he, he says, I, he says I, it in, in the black speech.
2: I'm so shocked by that. And like I couldn't believe that when I read that.
1: Yeah, but and it's you know it's very offensive to Elrond. You know he kind of scolds him. But so it's um, I'm gonna do the best I can because I don't pretend to actually speak Elvish either, or or black speech, much less. But it's Ashnag <sighs> Durbatuluk, Ashnag Gimbatul, Ashnag Trakatuluk Ashburjam Ishi That's
0: great. That's great. And and as as Gandalf is speaking this, it says the change in the wizard's voice was astounding. Yes. Astounding. Suddenly it became menacing, powerful, harsh as stone. A shadow seemed to pass over the high sun and for the and the porch for a moment grew dark. All trembled, and the elves stopped their ears. And then Elrond is like, that voice or that tongue has never been spoken here and it will never be spoken again. I have yeah. a theory about ga-
2: this, but I'm going to go on to it when we talk about Saruman. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. And then he's provided the translation, which is one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them. But Gandalf's point basically is, you know, let this be the only time that it is spoken here because we have to stop it.
2: What I just did, don't do that again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, basically... Gandalf also at this point adds that, you know, by now Sauron probably already knows about Bilbo and the Shire. And uh, if he doesn't already know this, then he will soon. He will know that we have the ring and we have it here. So time is of the essence. And...
0: Yes. And then at this point, Legolas... Pipes in because you know, Aragorn had mentioned like that they had Gollum and they deposited him at Merkwood. Yeah, hey Gandalf, hey,
2: yeah, yeah. um, <laughs> I got uh, news, you know, about that.
0: About, about Gollum.
2: Uh, we, ha- we, we 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 had him, but now we don't have him anymore,
0: <laughs> he escaped. And, well, and and so that is why Legolas came to to Elrond, was just to, to spread the news yeah. because and. Not to talk too much about the movie until we get to our movie episode, but if you watch the movie, you kind of get the impression that everybody was summoned, but what is actually the case is everybody came of their own accord, and they all happened to get there at the same time because of how twisted the world is becoming.
1: And Elrond kind of remarks that, you know, nobody was summoned here. However, it was very important that everyone did come because... yes. And, and, it's, and it wasn't by chance. You know?
2: I'm going to p- push out another reading of this book. Once again, it's like a principal in high school. <laughs> and everybody comes, everybody comes to principal with the same problem. Or not the same problem, but a similar <laughs> problem with a problem student. And they're like, all right. All right, we really need to figure this one out because you're all in here in the same time. So, <laughs> You're all talking about the um, same dude, the same goth dude. All right, let's take th- care of this.
0: Yes. So Legolas comes with the news that they have lost... Uh, Gollum and basically it was that they were letting Gollum kind of go out on walks and because they felt
1: bad for him (laughs) (laughs) him. and he
0: climbed up a tree and I love this detail he had learned to grasp the tree with his feet and don't ever say yes and he hid there for several hours and then orcs attacked and it was clear that the whole thing was staged to capture Gollum yeah and that Gollum's guards either were slain or kidnapped uh Oh, and then Glowen is really Glowen is really offended by this because he's like, "You gave Gollum better treatment than you gave me when I was your prisoner." Yeah, and
2: it was who was a Gandalf who's like, "Hey, dude, that's already been like we figured yeah, that we,
1: out. That's know, been that's been this 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 these were differences that were taken care of long long ago. No beef there. <laughs> yeah."
0: He says, now come," said Gandalf. Pray do not interrupt my good glow end. That was regrettable misunderstanding. Long set right? Yeah. If all the grievances that stand between elves and dwarves are to be brought up here, we may as well abandon this council. And he
2: like, <laughs> he, like, salutes or something. He kind of goes like, okay, whatever. It's all right. We're all good. So,
0: yeah. So, so then we... Were...
1: Then we get into kind of more about Saruman. Uh, because, again, we still haven't really addressed the, the, the fact that Saruman isn't here. Um, so... Gandalf basically tells him that he he, he had run into Radagast. um, It's as he was
0: leaving the Shire. Yeah,
1: as he was leaving the Shire, he had run into Radagast, and Radagast told him that there were Nazgul on the Loost moving westward and asking about the Shire. And, of course, Gandalf is horrified to hear this news. Um, And then Radagast tells Gandalf that Saruman said to ask him for help before it's too late. So Gandalf says, well, yeah, that's a good idea. So he goes immediately to Saruman's Tower, or Thank at Isengard.
0: Well, and Radagast, it's also mentioned that Radagast doesn't like to travel. So it's weird to see him in the Shire. Mm -hmm. And Radagast says, you know, I've been looking for you, Gandalf, for a long time. And all I knew is that you like this place called Shire. Where is Shire? And Gandalf is like, the Shire. Mm -hmm. And at one point, Radagast uh, dismisses it. Um, He says... I'm a stranger in these parts. All I knew is that you might be found in a wild region with the uncouth name of Shire. Yeah. <laughs> your your information was correct, Gandalf said, but do not put it that way if you meet any of the inhabitants.
2: Everybody everywhere in Middle Earth thinks everyone else lives in dumb places.
1: <laughs> well, What's up with that? Uh, isn't that very similar to how we feel
2: You're asking about... the wrong, I think I everyone mean, else's place no, is not, not dumb compared to mine.
1: Not we specifically, but humanity for the most part.
2: That's... In a whole humanity, you're exactly right.
1: Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, Gandalf goes to Isengard. And
0: we get a little history of Isengard, mm-hmm. which was actually touched upon in the Silmarillion, but mm-hmm. briefly, um, it's a big, wide stone, and it's kind of near the southern tip of the mountains and kind of near Rohan. And in the, in the middle of this ring of stone is a giant tower. Yeah, that was and constructed...
1: Well, it was By the
0: Numenorians.
2: Yeah, Numenorians.
1: Um So, Gandalf, however, unfortunately learns that Saruman now intends to join forces with Mordor. Um, or wants to wield the ring himself. Saruman basically yes, tells him, you know, that there is a great power now and we need to join it.
0: Well, and immediately when they meet, Sauron is very sneering. You know, Gandalf Weird. the Grey, he scoffed. And then, mm. you know... Radagath the brown left Saruman, Radagast the bird tamer, Radagast the simple, Radagast the fool.
1: And then I kind of really like this. I, I sort of chuckled to myself and made a horrible joke, which I will tell you. So, you know, Gandalf kind of makes a jab back at him. Like, Saruman the white, this is not, you're not behaving in a way that you should be. And now, so I, I kind of told myself in this little uh, portion this little exchange between Gandalf and Saruman that Saruman was showing his true colors. Oh my God. Podcast is canceled. (laughs) Oh Jesus. On that
2: note,
0: he says, for I am Saruman, the wise Saruman ringmaker Saruman of many colors. And then at this moment, Gandalf noticed that his robe, which had seemed right was not so, but was woven of many colors. And at, if he moved, they shimmered and changed hue so that the eye was bewildered. And I, I'm going to spare you a song right now since I already um, forced upon two. you one. But <laughs> I was going to do Dolly Parton's coat of many colors as Saruman of many colors. <laughs> so, I already made so, a bad joke, I so
1: like we have to, we have to yeah, yes. let that. But so th- this is kind of um, – I, I found a quote from Tolkien's letters that I really liked, that I feel applies to this whole situation with Saruman. So it's a quote on wizards and what, what, what they are in Middle-earth. Uh, so they were thought to be emissaries, and their proper function, maintained by Gandalf and perverted by Saruman, was to encourage and bring out the native powers of the enemies of Sauron. So again, that's the entire purpose of the Istari, and now what has Saruman done?
2: I mean that's the thing we've talked about at the end of at the end of the Silmarillion of Saruman and Gandalf being like two sides of a similar of the same coin mm. of one seeing the world one way and the other seeing the world another way and they're not I, like Saruman is the kind of villain or villainous character that I like where I kind of see where he's coming from I, his his just he's wrong, but I like to see I like to see that I I can see his train of thought. Mm-hmm. I see where he's coming from. He gives an argument. It's pr- it's it's kind of valid, but ultimately, no, that is not the right course of action. This because
1: is, this is not what he was sent here to do.
2: Because he's like, there's like two paths. You can either submit, or you could like work. We could work to get. You know. Mm-hmm and and Gandalf's like no I pick none of those because you're not thinking clearly.
0: Yes. And Sauron says, you know, I have spies. I know that you've been Saruman. keeping secrets from me. Yes, Sauron. <laughs> I know that you've been keeping secrets from me. I know that you have discovered the one. Yeah. And then he banishes him to the top of Orthanc. And Frodo's like, "Wait a minute. I had this dream. Oh, that was you." I had this dream and Gandalf... you
2: were on top of a tower and there was like a Gandalf something. is
0: yeah. <laughs> Your hair was shining right in the moon. And Gandalf was a little concerned almost that Frodo has been having prophetic dreams. Mm-hmm. And then he realizes that Frodo's dream actually was actually delayed in time. And it actually happened after Gandalf escaped. Mm-hmm.
2: That was weird. What was up with that? Where he's like having a prophetic dream, but it's like after the thing has happened. That's weird. That- that's weird. That's the that okay. Of all the weird things in these books, that for some reason to me was the weirdest, <laughs> because he, okay, the like okay, so the great eagle, what's his name?
1: Uh, Guyhir.
2: Guyhir spots Gandalf on top of this thing, and also Gandalf has noticed well, that he has seen multiple orcs and other things from Mordor tearing up and the land and you know doing s- for
0: clouds and, of uh, smoke clouds of smoke. around the tower and, mm-hmm. and,
1: and um why here here
0: which it should be said that radagast is friends with all birds and had sent them to deliver messages to gandalf
1: mm-hmm.
2: well and guire picks sees gandalf picks gandalf up takes him away and says i can't fly <laughs> it was really funny actually it was like it's a lot of of, like, I fly anywhere, just not the edge of the world. Again,
1: bro. yeah, the eagles are not your taxi service.
2: But Well, <laughs> he says, I was
0: sent here with a message not to deliver you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he will take him uh, to safety, and that ends up being... I guess I'll that... take
2: you someplace. <laughs> that
1: ends up being Rohan.
2: But, but the thing is, he... But doesn't he, like, but... Sorry, I'm getting ahead, but in Rohan... He finds out, like, at first, he's like, maybe, like, the people of Rohan are not too messed up. Oh, wait.
1: Saruman is already Sar- kind has already, of
2: yeah messed they
0: starting, starting to... And they send, uh, like, a tribute of horses every year.
1: Well, that's that's a thing. Uh, yeah, they, Rohan... He's, he says that Rohan sends a tribute of horses to Mordor every year uh, to kind of keep them uh, safe. Um, it's sort of this, like, feudal yeah it's not necessarily like we're
2: doing business it's like we're doing this so we don't get invaded also again like talking loving horses gave us Mm -hmm. the ultimate horsey place (laughs) yeah this well
1: this is one of my favorite i i've always very much identified with rohan um (laughs) uh, um, among other I, I, (sighs) i i identify with many characters throughout the the mythos but the riders of Rohan, the Rohirrim are one of the, the the peoples that I identify the most with, I think. It's, a, it's almost
0: like you're an equestrian. <laughs> it's really.
1: almost like I'm an equestrian. Um but yeah, so the king tells Gandalf, Take a horse and leave. And Gandalf actually um Sorry, that
2: sounds like the end of a joke. I don't know the why horse.
1: <laughs> takes yeah, the, the, the horse, horse basically. The king of horses. And yeah, so Shadow Facts, we have this magnificent description of shadowfax um who is
2: talking in badass the, horses the
1: swiftest right right um there oh, i just love it. i have to find it because um this was actually my favorite for the reading um Da, 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 da. Eats rainbows
2: and farts diamonds. I don't so, know.
1: so they talk about. Uh, so Boromir basically is saying, like, I, 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 don't think the Rohirrim would actually send horses to Mordor. They love their horses too much, and they have. And anyway, if you found a really good horse there, then it must be truly great because they do have some spectacular horses. And Gandalf's like, well, yeah. Uh, and so, so, and there is one among them that might have been foaled in the morning of the world. So again, it seems that Shadowfax is incredibly old as well. Oh. Uh. Um, so he says, The horses of the nine cannot vie with him. Tireless, swift as the flowing wind, shadow facts they called him. By day his coat glistens like silver, and by night it is like a shade, and he passes unseen. Light is his footfall. Never before had any man mounted him, but I took him and I tamed him, and so speedily he bore me that I reached the Shire when Frodo was on the Barrow Downs. So, um...
2: So that was the point where we got that bit where not only was gandalf in the area that that frodo was as well but like slightly off kilter just slightly behind which yeah. made me go what <laughs>
0: what seriously
2: mm-hmm.
0: i didn't mm-hmm. expect that well and so like the day or two days after frodo leaves gandalf has a conversation with the gaffer yeah <laughs> yeah that was great and the gaffer's like i don't like that things are changing <laughs> Mr. Like, Baggins leaving, and I'm sorry, these weird Gaff people for... asking about him.
1: I don't like it either. I'm sorry, old
2: Gaff. You're gonna serve as like a weird theme of the book in a, in your own way.
0: <laughs>
1: but yeah, Gandalf kind of just misses the hobbits and and Aragorn at, at each kind of stop along the way. Um, and I, I liked that. I liked his telling of this little encounter that he has with Butterbur at Bree, uh, <sighs> because you know, of course you know he's. <laughs> trembling in his boots because he had failed to get the message to mr frodo when he should have uh and, <laughs> and gandalf like even says like i should i should melt you like butter
0: <laughs> like butter yeah. and then frodo stands up and he's like now you didn't do anything to him because he was so nice to <laughs> he us. was nice to us <laughs> and frodo's like no i was so happy when he delivered the news <laughs> and then the best part is butterbur is like they went off with strider though and gandalf was like strider Good. He, he meant it like excitedly, but Butterbur, th- Butterbur thought he was mad mm-hmm. because, you know, Butterbur didn't think highly of him.
1: Of, of Strider, yeah. But and we, we we do learn that Gandalf was at Weathertop and Gandalf did battle the Nazgul hold, there.
0: Hold, hold on. The, the last thing we get about Barleyman is great. Gandalf says, may your beer be laid under an enchantment of surpassing excellence for seven years.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, but, oh, oh his beard said that? He said that about his beard?
1: Beer. Beer, no, no beard beer. Okay, I thought said you said beard, beard and I was like yeah.
2: I read it as beer and for a second I thought you said beard and I was like that's extra crazy <laughs> that's crazier than the beer.
1: no but that's that's a very kind thing for a wizard to wish for a barkeeper don't you think
2: and oh. I, I have a feeling that by Gandalf saying that it happened <laughs> like that's what that's that's
0: that's what started the craft brew yeah, I was
2: gonna <laughs> say John what's your favorite beer Katie what's your favorite beer <laughs> It's probably it's probably butterbeer, butterbeer at some point. <laughs>
1: um. So yeah. So it goes to Weathertop, battles the Nazgul, and then on to Rivendell, and does manage to help uh, pull some of the of of the Black Riders away. Um. Thankfully, as as Gandalf tells him, you know, there were only five that were pursuing you at that time, Frodo, not the whole nine. Uh, and I tried to pull them away as much as I can, but they kind of gave up after a while. So now. We have basically the whole story of the ring. We we know what has happened. We know it's it's the one. And now what we're left with is what do we do with it.
2: Well, and the, the options that were brought up before were by Elrond where we either We either hide it far, 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 far away. Like we take we put that thing on a boat and send it off.
1: <laughs> yes. Or we
2: destroy it. And the thing is the and I feel like Tolkien, being an expert writer as he is, was sitting there thinking as a reader, and I I thought this too. Now that I have read some earlier, why don't they just take it off to the west? Well, and explain well, that too.
0: And and they also just discuss like what are the strongholds where we could hide the ring, mm-hmm. and um, you know, they talk about the Grey Havens, they talk about Rivendell and Lorien, but he, Elrond says that none of them are strong enough to withhold. Mm-hmm. Or to resist Sauron, and then they say, "Well, what about Bombadil? He that seems to have co- this power." Pa- Sorry,
2: that was crazy to me. I couldn't believe that. They and and,
0: that up. and Elrond is like, "I know of this person, but not by this name."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. Gandalf says, "It's not that that Bombadil has mastery over the ring, but rather that the ring does not have mastery over Bombadil."
1: But then he, Gandalf, goes on to say that Bombadil would not be a good ring bearer because he wouldn't understand its importance. He would forget about it. Because, <laughs> um, you know, basically at this point, Tom Bombadil, as we've seen, kind of has his little world that he stays within and will not leave. Um, and it's, it's it's not that he couldn't bear the ring. It's that it's it's really not a concern to him. Um, and so he he might forget about it and lose it, and that's not what we want anyway. Some of my
2: head cannon got slightly <laughs> dissolved. I still think he is some crazy... He is like some three-dimensional shadow of some higher-dimensional being, but I feel like that right—that your description of how he would handle the ring, like, c- cemented that for me, like, mm-hmm. made that put that in concrete.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: However, I don't think he was who I thought he was previously. <laughs> definitely.
1: But well, uh, and furthermore, they say that this would really only postpone the inevitable anyway.
0: Yeah. And they, they talk about the dangers of any one person possessing the ring, mm-hmm. and and Glowen says. Uh, You know, it might be well for us all if these... Hold on, I'm going to pause because there's a police siren in the background. Yeah, I hear it. And I want to make this point. (laughs) Okay. Glowen says, still it might be well for us all if all these strengths were joined and the powers of each were used in league. Other rings there were, blah, blah, blah. Uh, So if we recall, almost all of the dwarven rings are lost. And then Glowen says that Balin might have found the ring of Thror, which was last heard of in Moria. And then... Gandalf says, Balin will find no such ring. Thror gave it to Thrain, his son, but th- not Thrain to Thorin. It was taken with torment from Thrain in the dungeons of Dol Guldur. I came too late.
1: Yeah.
0: And so point- that's this kind of nice, if also not very macabre, tie into the Hobbit right there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's also just the point of this. S- S- Sauron's got all of your eggs in his basket in many ways. Like, mm-hmm. And then and then that's when they discuss, well, why can't we just, like, bury it, hide it away, throw it mm-hmm. in the sea? And it's like, and then, I, who is it? Gandalf or Elrond, who basically said, like, because we can't perceive the world changing and then it being found again. Yeah. because Thousands of years in the future or something.
1: Basically, basically is... they, they say, you know, we need to have a permanent solution here. That's yes. n- That would not be a permanent solution.
0: And, and this is when they have that discussion, which we touched upon earlier, about what happens to the three elven wi- rings. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also say, how do we unmake it? We don't. We can't unmake it. And this is when, I think it was Elrond, says that it has to be thrown at the volcano. Yeah. And then they're like, well, who's going to do that? Me, and Bilbo's Bilbo. Like, yeah. Bilbo's like, well, I started this. It looks like I'm going to have to end this.
1: Well... And, but before that, though, I, I really like this kind of exchange about it. because So now we have a plan. It's that we need to take the ring into Mordor and throw it into the fire. That's the only way it can be unmade. And so Aristor speaks up and says that that...
2: Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Keep going.
1: Aristor speaks up and says that that is despair and folly. And I really like the kind of conversation that comes after that because uh, basically they say, well the only way that this is going to get done is with despair and folly. Yeah, it's a crazy errand. Um, And perhaps even the weakest person is going to have to, to do this task. And that's when Bilbo kind of... Does his Bilbo thing and you know jumps up and it's like, oh, you're saying that I should take it <laughs> since since I started the whole thing. I,
0: I mean, also, just, and then just then, a Gan- go ahead, sorry. Uh, then Gandalf does his Gandalf thing and says, if you had really started this affair, you might be expected to finish it. Mm-hmm. But you know well enough now that starting is too great a claim for any, and that only a small part is played in great deeds by any hero.
1: Yeah.
2: Sorry, but uh, for some reason, I just got this thought of like, and this is, I guess is a. <laughs> A commentary on the type of people I drink with and hang with. It's like just like an old ass poet to be like, "Oh, what's the most poetic turn for this story to take? I'm gonna do that." <laughs> and it's like, "No, dude, just sit down for right now." Very
1: much so, though, because because right, Gan- uh, or Bilbo totally is that old poet. <laughs> I
2: was the hero of the Hobbit. What's the What's the Hobbit? What is this Perhaps book? Perhaps
1: <laughs> my tale is not yet over. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. um... And-
0: So then it's this question of who is going to do it. And basically there's silence. And everybody's kind of like looking down. And then Frodo is like... It's
1: it's totally the silence that happens in class when the teacher asks a question. It's a very important question. And nobody (laughs) has done their homework. And nobody raises their hand. And we all sit there for a long time until finally someone...
0: Oh, God. So, Katie Dicks and I this had this on. English teacher who was, by all accounts, incredible. But rather than giving us quizzes on our reading, he would just, like, stand in front of your desk and, like, pull his glasses down and look you and in the eyes and be like, did you read? <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold <laughs> Those on, were so on.
1: terrifying.
0: Did
2: you read?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's exactly this moment. Uh, but anyway, Frodo at this time just feels compelled to speak up
2: i mean i imagine it's like sweaty palms like in inward confusion and terror of like uh, and then does it
1: and yeah he what? says i will take the ring though i, though do, I not do not know, know the way know
0: sorry <laughs> sorry i jumped the gun there
1: <laughs> so elron then kind of think you know immediately is like you know this is going to be difficult. This is a very heavy burden, but honestly, I feel that Frodo you were you were meant to do this.
0: Yes, uh, like it suddenly clicks for Arond yeah. and he's like, "Yes." And then after this very serious chapter, we get a little bit of happiness and a little bit of excite or of uh, humor at the end because someone yells, but he's not going to send him off alone, right? <laughs> and it's Sam. Yeah. And Elrond is like, of course not. Clearly, at least you will go with him, Sam, who attended him to this secret meeting to which you were not even invited.
1: Yeah, yeah. Love <laughs> it.
0: Or Sam just like s- snuck in the whole time. And-
1: yeah, Sam has been eavesdropping once again. He's been dropping eaves. But I, I really liked though, so when when Elrond kind of recognizes, yeah, this is Frodo's thing, He he, he makes another comment and basically is like, this is the time of the Shire folk, you know. Um, clearly, and that's because, a
0: really beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it was great.
1: And and he had he had remarked very early on in the chapter too uh, that, that how impressive Frodo was and how much he's already gone through up to this point and is still you know here. Well, uh, so once again, we're remarking on how extraordinary hobbits are.
2: I mean, and, and to say that within... Let's break down this council. We have Elrond and Rivendell, which I would argue in many ways is kind of like the center... Okay, I'm wrong, but just go with me on this one. Yeah. Is the center of Middle-earth at this time, <laughs> in a way? And then you have... You've got hobbits from the Shire, so you've got the West, and you've got, you know, Aragorn and his buddy from the North, and you've got Boromir from, like, south, from south. Southeast, mm-hmm. and you've got... And you got Glo- Gloin from, mm-hmm. like, the northeast. And you've got Legolas from Mirkwood. And then, like, everybody, like, Elrond's little counts Like, this is Middle-Earth. This is Middle-Earth. Mm-hmm. We don't have Rohan. We don't have other things. We don't have the places that have fallen, basically. But for him to say that and a council that is the most absolute representation of middle earth at this time is insane like <laughs> in that way of like tolkien is constantly throughout this chapter doing that thing that i love tolkien's done i've said this before where someone will say oh that's a long time or this is a big deal and someone who's older and wise are going no 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 you don't understand how this is a big deal. <laughs> this is a bigger deal than you could comprehend because mm-hmm. that happens about like length of time in this chapter as well. So oh yeah. Like, so Elrond even saying that is such a monumentally gigantic deal, like it's insane. Like mm-hmm. um ugh.
0: Yes. Ugh. And then that's basically the end of the chapter.
2: Nuts. Absolutely insane. (laughs) Yeah. This chapter was crazy. I mean,
0: Alpha's up that when I was like 11 and trying to read Lord of the Rings, this is the chapter that lost me. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm, you know, like 26 and reading Lord of the Rings, like this chapter is like such a page turn.
1: So engrossing. Yeah. But
2: I get it. Like, when I started reading this chapter, I had that like feeling of like, oh no, like I was expecting, all right, let's get this over with. But then, like, halfway through it, I was like, this is amazing. This is exactly. Well, I get this.
0: And what I think one of the things i love about this chapter so much is i mean this comes from my personal experiences now having done a master's degree and and you know in history and archaeology is that so much of this chapter is concerned with the question is this the one ring how do we know Mm -hmm. and it's all about the process of how do you gather this information it's basically like they have a hypothesis and they put it to the test yeah and that's Something that I don't think a lesser writer would have thought of. Mm-hmm. Well, and
2: also, like, when Gandalf is presenting his evidence about, like, what is the bring, and he doesn't, he holds off his most, like, absolute evidence for the very end. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't, he doesn't start with it. He just builds up to it. It's like, well, I thought it was this, I thought it was this, I thought it was this. And then finally he's like, no, but it is because this.
1: And how did Gandalf really affirm that the ring was the ring through scholarship.
0: Mm-hmm. I
2: mean, there was even a bit, there was even a bit I noticed in there about citing your sources. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so cite your sources people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I did mention earlier that a little bit of what Gandalf said struck me as a little expository. And that was mostly stuff where he said, you know, Gwaihir dropped me off at Edoras, you know, in Rohan, home of the Rohirrim, the writers. No, no, like no. that's not actually something you would say, but I mean, that's just me picking nets. <laughs> because i feel like occasionally we have to have somebody who's going to be a little critical of the book
2: <laughs> I, I mean I, was, I mean i was critical I like. of two chapters ago because i legitimately did not like that chapter but <laughs> this this is yeah this has been mm-hmm. I, I i i it took me like an hour to read this chapter but i totally didn't feel it, <laughs> mm-hmm. it just went about it went away like that
0: i mean i it's... i read go ahead Oh, sorry. I read this chapter on a very crowded subway train while listening to an ambient music playlist, and that was kind of like perfection. Mm -hmm. Wow, because I was surrounded by like crazy noise and like lots of people, but also like pleasant music. You
2: know, usually I read these chapters and I listen to music. Not this one. For some reason, I was like, I'm gonna put on and just start reading. Like, and I just I just (laughs) went and didn't even think about it.
1: Um. So yeah, that you know we again. I I I really, I, I love this chapter. And yeah, this is one of the chapters that tends to lose a lot of people because I think certain parts of of Tolkien's writings do take a temperament to be able to uh, stick with it, a certain temperament. Um, but this chapter's so great because, again, we had so many moving parts and... This is kind of the first time with basically representatives of all of the free peoples of Middle-earth here. This is the first time that kind of everyone knows the scope of the issue. And, you know, yeah, you've been having troubles at home, in, in, in your home. You know, Gondor has been having to stand against Mordor and, uh, you know, we haven't heard from the dwarves and, uh, and this and that it's only but a everything small comes part. together. Yeah, everything comes together and it's all everything, you know? Yeah. It's you're fa- facing horrible things at home, but it's only a small part of this much greater problem that we're now tasked with.
0: So chase, I'm going to do uh, our mass effect moment yeah. <laughs> at the, at okay. the end of mass effect one, without giving too much away, um, the evil alien spaceship docks with, a space station in a way that like is super like oh my god they've been building up to this the whole time yeah. but i didn't catch it <laughs> and that moment blew my mind when i was playing the game because it's just like oh my god all of these things came together and i had no idea yeah and like this chapter is the same thing yeah mm-hmm.
2: i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna make a comparison to our uh other podcast crimson king cast i got like i've been reading this and i've definitely been referencing this on crimson Kingcast um about lord of the rings in that book but now i'm about to throw out dark tower into this book (laughs) um for one the way they talk about um what is the tower in mordor
1: the tower in mordor yeah the
2: tower in mordor that they were referencing in this chapter they legitimately called it the they called it the dark tower And I weirded out on that one. I was like, oh, I could see we're totally... Stephen King was reading this book and, like, came up with the idea for the Dark Tower reading this part. But what's the... It's not referenced in this chapter, but...
1: Barad... Baradur? Baradur.
2: Baradur, yeah. yeah. But there was great... Like, they actually said, like, the Dark Tower, and I got slight shiver because we spent... (laughs) we, We spent an episode of the Crimson Keycast just talking about what the Dark Tower could be. And I started like, and some of that started to like mix with this chapter when they were talking about like Mordor and stuff. I was like, oh my God. Like, for a brief well, they moment, even... there had this like section of like, oh, like these two could almost be in the same universe. Oh. We,
0: we, we eluded over this point, but Sauron, or, I mean, Elrond, not even close. Elrond <laughs> says that they did not finish destroying Sauron, because while they leveled Beradur, they did not raise its foundations, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and its foundations were magically imbued, and that was one of the, kind of, anchors of strength that Sauron held on to.
2: Mm-hmm. I remember the... Po- okay, I'm gonna save it for my favorite bits, then. Because <laughs> it's my favorite bit. Well, I,
0: okay. I already said my favorite bit, which was that kind of academic approach to proving what the One Ring was. That that was my favorite bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So ch- Um... Hmm. See, a a, again, system. I'm going
2: to be long on this one. Again,
1: there were so many. I I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I I have to do three. I get three from this chapter because it was 30 <laughs> pages long. 30
0: oh, and pages. And mine was. With like regards to page notes, we're now 26 uh, percent of the way through.
1: Nice. Well, so okay, I are, I already said that you know that kind of the description of Shadowfax is one of my favorite things. That's just because it's a awesome description of an awesome horse. Um, I also really loved Bilbo So after Frodo tells his story uh, About the ring I loved Bilbo's little not bad Kind of jab mm-hmm. I, I love that But there's something And we didn't mention it Gandalf uh, is talking about Sauron and how he's not going to be expecting, you know, while he may know that we have the ring, he won't expect at all for us to be thinking about destroying it. And he that says... That's true. Yeah, oh, yeah, I
2: forgot about that.
1: He says that basically that Sauron only understands a desire for power. And it wouldn't even occur to him that someone would want to destroy this ring. Just that someone would have it and keep it from him, basically. Um and i really like that well and
0: elrond even says we can't take the west road like we can't take it you know to the west to the sea because that's the obvious thing so of course that's what sauron's going to expect
2: Mm -hmm. there's like a level of underestimating Mm -hmm. everybody that sauron is doing and also i can't help but feel like there's an element of hey we have two thousand or okay not even two it's way more than that right it's it's a long amount of history That they're probably that they're also going. We know the history. We know what everyone else tried to do. Let's not do that. Let's not make the same mistakes they made. Mm -hmm. There's there's that as well. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Oh my favorite, which is yeah, your favorite. I liked the turn with Saruman, and I liked the whole bit where he was talking about his plan, and it made me it started to get my brain going about what if. And I feel like I may have said this during the Akaliboth, but i want to reiterate it here if I did. Okay, what if... And it kind of came up when Gandalf says the Black Tongue, like he says like what's written on the ring. In a way, what if Sauron... What if his power is so great and so magnificent that, that in knowing that much that Saruman did, an element of Sauron a Sauron like wedged itself into his brain and maybe that not only these, not, not only are words and language, and I'm kind of like going about this in the way that Tolkien loves words and he loves language. Mm -hmm. What if words and language not only are a weapon, but also elements of Sauron's nature and soul that is able to root them into like, that's why don't speak it because By throwing that out there maybe a chunk of him as well is going to be appearing here
0: to me what it sounds like you're talking about is almost an analog of what happens in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets to Jenny
2: yeah I realized while I was saying it that's Mm -hmm. what it was kind of like but yeah it's like the idea because Saruman is the one person who knows the most about this stuff but what if knowing that much about it imbued him with elements of the spirit of Saruman in a way
1: I, I I think we can absolutely have that kind of reading from it because again, who was Sauron originally? He was the great corrupter, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Um, and that's you know kind of what what he did was sort of <coughs> seduce and manipulate and corrupt people to his will. Um, and so that and that's yeah the, the, that Saruman can kind of bend to that is huge
2: maybe even this like the words written on the ring itself like those words maybe the like the power of sauron is somehow imbued within those words and that the consciousness or the slight amount of consciousness that is okay i'm i'm (laughs) i'm going i'm going way far out there this is only this is i'm getting to my personal head can on this (laughs) stuff but almost like the words written like the ring was just a ring until those words were put onto
1: it. I mean the the ring the ring looks like just a ring. The ring holds his power basically.
2: Yeah. I don't know. That that was something that just started like messing with it. My I mean it's it's a little cheap to say my favorite part was this <laughs> thing I made up in my head, but ultimately <laughs> the part where Saruman <laughs> and Gandalf were talking was my favorite part. Mm-hmm. So
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all for today. Well, there we go. I'm John.
1: I'm Katie.
2: I'm blown away. I'm Chase.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com and you can send us an email to theprofessor at TalkingTolkien.com.
1: We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you're an iTunes subscriber and you like what you hear, please be sure to give us a rating and review.
2: We also have a Patreon account where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help us grow our podcast and help with expenses such as microphones and server space. Every little bit is appreciated.